I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Interest rates are rising, which means the federal government's $30 trillion debt tab is becoming even more expensive. So how will this impact taxpayer and uh, what will happen in terms of the, the cost? And what does this do? Does it change anything in terms of what Congress does in terms of spending not only your money, but the money we don't have, which just keeps adding up to the debt. To help us break all of that down, Henry Olson's a columnist at the Washington Post and a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Uh, Henry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, loved your piece uh, talking about rising interest rates and what that will do. And uh, to me, the big question is, is the spending Mardi Gras of Congress uh, going to come to an end because now suddenly interest rates are getting real and how much we'll pay just in interest uh, is really getting a, a little mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to. That's the thing is that we've been borrowing a trillion dollars a year during non-COVID time, multiple uh, multiples of that during the pandemic. And that was able to be financed only because interest rates were like 1% or 2%. Uh, now they're going up quickly because of inflation, and they'll probably stay elevated for a while because of inflation. That adds one, two, or even $300 billion a year just to pay off bondholders. That's got to get Congress's attention, and the only way to get that money back is to cut it somewhere else. Yeah, and and give us some perspective on that in terms of we we throw these billions and trillions of dollars uh, numbers around a lot. You kind of broke that down a little bit in terms of what that would compare to in terms of other things that we tend to spend on. And again, I'm going to remind listeners, this is just an interest payment alone, just interest. Yeah, and the thing is, at the rate that we're increasing, this it, it will very quickly be the fourth uh, or even maybe the third largest item in the federal budget. You know, Social Security payments is number one, defense is number two, Medicare is number three. If interest payments go up by a couple of hundred billion dollars, interest payments will become number four because we're already paying a couple hundred billion dollars a year in interest. If we're going to add a couple hundred billion on top of that, we're going to be paying more for that than uh, virtually the entire rest of the discretionary budget, uh, which is say spending that's not defense or entitlements. Yeah. And and you mentioned in your piece uh, that fixing that is, is not an easy one because you really sort of have two choices. You either have to cut things uh, or you have to increase taxes on things, uh, neither of which are, are real popular with members of Congress these days. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, one thing that the Treasury should be doing once interest rates come down or 
if they think inflation will last for five years or so, maybe even while they're up, is to start issuing longer-range bonds. Is that what they decided to do? Apparently, was issue a lot of short-term bonds, trying to reap a little bit of an interest rate break during the pandemic, not expecting inflation to come. So when the bonds are maturing this year, we're going to get hit with a lot of payment, and that's just a debt management question. The larger question is taxes or spending cuts. Well, we spend a lot of money helping out people who are already well off through subsidies and through tax breaks. I think Congress needs to start taking a look at that and start looking about how we can cut spending on the people who can best afford to have the spending cut. Yeah, and and I'm so glad you raised that, Henry, because to me it's always when you have this kind of environment where inflation is going up and uh, you're looking at all of those things, it always helps hurts the poor and the most vulnerable uh, the most, whether they're just they can't afford to put gas in the tank or groceries on the table uh, or whether they just don't have those opportunities uh, for growth. It, it is always those. And so as you look forward, uh, I know we've got some things uh, rolling through Congress in terms of some of those spending frameworks that they have to put together before the end of September. What do you see happening between now and September or do we just envision another continuing resolution which would keep spending on autopilot? Yeah, I think spending, unfortunately, for this year is going to be on autopilot because of the elections coming up. The Democrats want to spend while they have the opportunity to, and Republicans don't have the power to really push uh, their priorities to the front. Uh, I think any spending control is going to have to be negotiated between a Republican-controlled Congress and President Biden and the Democratic minority in the Senate after January 2023. Oh, that's uh, that's fascinating. That leads to another uh, great piece you had in the Washington Post uh, talking about the primaries and uh, what that means, in particular for the Republican Party. You said there's some interesting signs uh, that people within the Republican Party should be watching in terms of uh, what that means and what that might uh, project in terms of the midterm election. Yeah, well, uh, as far as the party is concerned, all the signs are just looking like this is going to be really a historic victory that uh, in 25 primaries so far turnout for people voting in Republican primaries is up significantly. I think 26 percent Democratic turnout is down. And one of the big reasons for that is in a lot of states, independents can vote in one or the other primary or people don't have registration and they can choose however they want to vote. And people in the middle are increasingly voting Republican. And that's a sign that They're not alienated by Donald Trump and the Democrats' claims from the entire party. And they want to have a say in what's going on in the party. And what they do is they tend to choose more moderate candidates. They're responsible in part for Trump's candidates' defeats in Georgia. And I think they're partially responsible for moderates winning primaries on Tuesday in Colorado. Uh, I I think that's so fascinating. I've been wanting to ask you, there was a a number... Uh, out over just the last couple of days, kind of relating to those moderates uh, versus those on the more extreme portion of the Republican Party, that the Democrats have actually spent uh, some, I think the number was $42 million, uh, trying to get more of those extreme candidates on, uh, thinking that would give the Democrats a better chance come November. Yeah, they've spent tens of millions of dollars in most states, and most of those candidates haven't won. You know, is that they're spending millions of dollars trying to boost the more extreme candidates, um, saying, and the way they do it is to appeal to Republicans. They'll pretend to attack them, but they'll attack them using themes that they think Republican conservatives would like, like, oh, he's too close to Trump, or oh, he's pro life on abortion. 
what happens is, is that those candidates haven't won by and large. It's tens of million dollars of wasted Democratic money, uh, but yet they're con- going to continue to try and tack- try the tactic in other states. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Henry, also knows, always appreciate your perspective. Uh, Henry's columnist, The Washington Post, senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Henry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, those are big ticket items in in my book. Obviously, with the rising interest rates, the amount of interest we're going to have to pay every year, as Henry said, 100, 200, could be as high as 300 billion just as a minimum interest payment uh, on the debt is troubling. Uh, and then looking at uh, how things shape up as we roll towards the fall election, uh, it is an astounding number, $42 million spent by the Democratic Party uh, helping those who are more aligned with former President Donald Trump, thinking that they would have a better chance as Democrats of beating those kind of candidates as opposed to more moderate, uh, more centrist candidates, more traditional Republican candidates. I think that's an interesting gamut. And as Henry said, uh, it hasn't been paying off for Democrats. They've just spent $42 million uh, without a lot to show for it. So it's always interesting. Uh, everyone always plays the games. Both sides play the games in terms of well, we'd really rather run against this candidate, not that candidate. And so you, you help them out. Uh, but you better be careful what you wish for because you might get it in the end and then they might beat you. Uh, and then you can't complain about what's happening uh, to the democracy because you helped foster it. Uh, and so there's so much for all of us to, to be working on there. All right, we'll step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.